you just think we just, you know, whatever happens, we just shit another player. I, and everything's going to be perfect. All of our fans think that. You all think that. That's what you write about. You don't want to be here. There's a specific reason. Not really, you know, I, I think we did a poor job recruiting. If guys are coming in and immediately walking out the door because it was something different than what they thought it would be. And we lied to them during recruiting or we, we sold them on a dream that wasn't true. Yeah, you know, right now uh, we have the atmosphere of a, of a JC softball game. You know, I mean, that's what we are, JC softball team. As long as, you know... Uh, it's 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 not whether you win or lose. It's like who, the, the the team that wins is the one that has the most fun. You know that crap like that. You know all this stuff that's contaminated America, where they give every kid a trophy and they don't keep scoring little league anymore. Is we want to be a big, fast, dominating, aggressive, relentless football team that nobody in the SEC wants to play. Now that's also a second in the West, baby. Yes, sir. <laughs> Winning the SEC probably is harder than winning the national championship. Do you know that? Well, how about the fucking dogs? Turn that down, you Hey, buddy, this beer's for you, Mike, and cousin Shane. That SEC podcast loves the Pirate, and the Pirate loves that SEC podcast. Hail State. Welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Bratton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter, and I'm joined as always by my cousin Shane, who goes by Big Orange Falls on Twitter. What are you up to, you big Tennessee homer? Hey, just got off the line here, and oh, lordy lord, we were waiting for this news. No one saw this one coming, but uh, it's all over. It seems like it's official here at Auburn. They have hired Boise State's Brian Harson. Yes, you heard that right. Brian Harson <laughs> is the new Auburn coach, and if you didn't follow this guy, you know, he's got a pretty good track record. He was at Boise State for a number of years. He's 69-19 uh, overall. And how about this little nugget, Shane? He replaced Gus Malzahn at Arkansas State. Hmm. Now he's replaced him at Auburn uh, about eight years later. Hmm. Like Butch Jones and Chip Kelly, right? <laughs> Just following <laughs> each other. <laughs> I think you're thinking of Brian Kelly, but yeah, you're no, you're, it, you're on yeah, the money yeah, there. So same yeah. deal. It's taken Auburn. I mean, this is uh this is what life in the SEC is like, Shane. It took, you know, this news was officially announced on Twitter, and about three minutes later, I saw an Auburn fan. I've already shared this tweet with you, but they're like, "Hey, check out his wife. She's smoking <laughs> hot." Like, that's how crazy we are about the football. I mean, my my goodness, a couple minutes into a. A guy off the wall, you know, no one had this looked up, I would not think, but they're already looking at this wife. They know this guy can recruit. So what's your initial reaction oh. to this news, Shane? I mean, this is better than old uh, Bill Bill Clark down at Home Depot, isn't it? it? It makes you wonder, Mike, because I don't know if it is. Because, I mean, <laughs> think about this. If you didn't tell me Boise State coach, if you didn't say that, you said, hey, Shane, they just hired Brian. What I don't even know his last name. Was I got a wiki his last name here? What is it? Harden? Har- Brian Harson. 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 Okay, so 
they just hired Brian Harson, and they asked me what my thoughts were. I'd be like, I don't know. Was he an Air Force? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I just is that the UAB guy? I don't know. So uh, I don't know, man. How on a scale of one to ten? You know, I'm sure there's some some folks listening to this pod like, like, have you not done some research on this cat? No, I haven't. In fact, the only research I've done on this cat is I like five minutes. I googled his name, mm-hmm. and then I was looking at his wiki page, and I noticed he hasn't beat a top 25 team since 2018. That's what I noticed in my quick little search. So I'm not overly excited about this hire. Now, I'm sure there's a lot of folks in the West that are, but I don't know if they're Auburn fans, Mike. I I think Mm -hmm. this is just one of those last-ditch, hey, we got to call a guy because we're starting to look like a national joke hire. Uh, What are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, certainly it's an off-the-wall hire, certainly not someone that you would – think is going to be hired by Auburn University here you know you fire Gus Malzahn and pay 20 million dollars to brought to to land Brian Harson. now that's not to say like like I said he's got 69 to 19 overall mm-hmm. career record that's pretty solid that of course this is one year in the Sun Belt and seven eight years here in the Mountain West different football out there he's got no ties to the south he's actually from Boise he played quarterback up there at Boise State He's got two years' experience at uh, University of Texas as a co-offensive coordinator and quarterbacks coach. That's the only major program he's ever been with. So I, the way I kind of read into this, this is a major gamble. Yeah. But uh, I heard just through the the coaching you know circle that he was looking to get out of Boise State, and I think it had to do with uh, you know obviously we don't cover that league or this team or anything, but I heard he was having some frustrations with just kind of the Mountain West and and just being in that conference, being at that lesser of a, of a league. They only got a seven games in this year. Boise State did. So, you know, he was looking to make that jump. Mm-hmm. And he's, he's an accomplished guy. He's an offensive guy. Can he recruit in the South? That's, that's always going to be a big question. But, you know, I'm not one of these guys, Shane, that says he's got no SEC experience, how this is not going to work because – you know who didn't have SEC experience is Nick Saban. Yeah. And I'm not saying he's the next Nick Saban, but look around. I mean, Will Muschamp, Jeremy Pruitt, uh, these guys had SEC experience. Matt Luke. Um, I mean, you could go on and on. I mean, there's guys with SEC experience can't coach. You know what I mean? So right. I'd rather have a guy that uh, knows what he's doing. Clearly, the game of football. I just saw this stat. Uh, you know, the SEC championship game, so many points were scored. More points scored in the SEC championship, and it wasn't even close. Over last, you know, the Saturday night, the the championship games, 98 total points scored in the SEC championship game. The closest after that is 66 in the MAC, 55 in the Pac-12. I mean, SEC is an offensive league now. Mm-hmm. So you got you got to have someone with an offensive background to compete. You got to have someone that knows how to develop quarterbacks. This guy knows how to do that, and – that's about all I, that I can spin in this in the positive direction, uh, and and I'm not saying this is going to be a terrible hire or anything. Just kind of off the off the radar. I didn't even know this guy was in consideration at Auburn. Mm-hmm. But two things that I'm going to be monitoring in in the days and weeks to come: how's he fill out his staff? Because I think that was the big issue with Billy Napier and mm-hmm. potentially Bill Clark, who, according to reports, I mean, he pulled his name out. I mean, that should tell you something. 
when a, when a guy from Alabama who's coaching at UAB doesn't want to be the coach at Auburn, mm-hmm. something's going on down there. And it's it sounds like, you know, whoever's making the hires down there is trying to dictate, you know, who you got to keep on staff. So I know Kevin Steele, outstanding defensive coordinator. If he sticks around, I don't. Th- th- it could be trouble, Shane, because it just seems like it seems like there's forces that are uh, you know want Kevin Steele to, to be the man. Yeah. And Rodney Gardner, outstanding defensive line coach, they want him to stay. I understand why they want him, but mm-hmm. what happens if you know those fa- that faction is on a totally different page than Brian Harson? Right. This thing is is just not going to work. You know what I mean? So, so that's something that I'll be watching in the in the coming days. How many? How many Auburn staffers does he retain? Yeah, I think it, it needs to be a clean slate type of situation. Now, I think this is a little different than, I don't know, like the South Carolina with uh, Connor. You know, obviously Connor is is tied to South Carolina. I, I right. don't think you're going to get – that's not the same situation here with Steele. Steele's Steel, been floating around as a potential head coach in Canada. That's like if, if, if Pruitt were to go, I can't imagine – you know, T. Martin would stick around, uh, something along those lines. I just, I, I think they need a clean break. I think they need to start from the bottom to the top. Now, I will say, you know, we just found out this information. So, I, I again, I don't know much about this cat at all, but one of my favorite tweets that I've seen since it came out was uh, from this guy named Graham Carr. It says, most non-Auburn hire ever. So I really like it. So I, you know, it's like, <laughs> you know, maybe he's got a point here. Sometimes it, it, you just, you never know. It sometimes it is that guy you weren't expecting uh, to, to. T- I mean, a lot of people with Dabo, nobody, nobody wanted Dabo hired as as the coach there at Clemson. There, there was a whole bunch yeah. of other big names, and, and now you're looking back saying, well, you know, it worked out pretty good. So. Um, but we'll, let's give him a shot. I, I I was a little I was a little I pulled the trigger too quick, Mike. So I don't want to. Do, I want to pull it back. It's Christmas time. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's it, everybody should be in a good spirit. You know the the nice thing is the coaching search is over, so you don't have to right. go through the holidays thinking about who your next head ball coach is. And and uh, you're right. He's. I mean, if you look at his record, you know you can you can do like I did and just pick out some of the signature losses. But you you've also got to notice that there's 10, 11 win uh, seasons and. And I'm telling you what, man, if he could pull that over to the SEC, there's a lot of a lot of Auburn fans would be happy with those type of results. Yeah, and I think we're getting to a point, Shane. I don't know about you, but I almost want a successful lower level head coach mm-hmm. than I want some kind of like retread guy or yeah, uh, you know, someone that uh, you know at, at least this guy's got head coaching experience. I guess what I'm trying to say is, uh, you know, certainly this hire could swing and miss, but I want to go for the fences if I'm Auburn. Mm-hmm. I want someone that Nick Saban's got no idea how to defend him right now. Right. And if this guy's got a good offensive system, if he knows how to develop a quarterback, you got Bo Nix already. You've got some outstanding receivers. Tank Bigsby, just named SEC Freshman of the Year. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's got some pieces. So this could be a situation where Auburn's offense immediately – Turns around. I mean, I know I know the offensive line is going to be critical in that, but mm-hmm. uh, you know, I'm I'm seeing some signs here that this could be a good move, and and you know that's why when when Jimbo Fisher went from Florida State to Texas A&M, that's why that was such a big deal. Uh, I remember when that hire was made; it was the first time a guy had won a national championship at a school 
and left for another Power 5 school. First time since, like, Johnny Majors mm-hmm. left Pitt for Tennessee. So I know everybody says, well, let's get Urban Meyer and let's get, yeah. <laughs> you know, can we get Dabo and all this, like – you, you're just not going to get those in today's day and age. It's, it's right. you know, it's like a, it's like a needle in the haystack. I think this is the approach you got to go and credit Auburn for getting a guy that uh, know, knows how to be a head coach and has got an outstanding track record, albeit at a uh, lower level of football. That's that, I think that's the key, Mike is, is head coaching experience. Um, you know, what Sam Pittman did at Arkansas is extremely rare, but you're talking about a guy that's been around a lot of successful head coaches. So it just, it doesn't surprise me that he picked it up quick. Now we got a younger guy, younger cat coming in, but you definitely want him to have that, you know, that captain mentality where he can just, it's not overwhelming and it will be buddy. I mean, it's a, it's a huge difference from Boise state to to Auburn, but you know, I I don't think it's going to take him long uh, just because of his experience to, to hit the ground running. So he just needs to get out here. He needs to get. I mean, he he needs to do like uh, like like Eli did. I don't know if you remember when he came in and he was just all over media uh, and, and he was in the cameras. Uh, he's got to become the face of Auburn really quick. So uh, I hope he does that. I've not listened to him. I don't know what he sounds like, you know. But you know, there maybe he is a hell of a recruiter because I have seen his wife. Man, I ain't gonna say you know what I'm saying so. He outkicked his coverage, but, you know, that's what you want on the recruiting trail. You want a guy that's selling the dream. So uh, maybe maybe he's the one, and um, I, I'm, I'm happy for him uh, because I, I've, I've, seen, I've seen these. It was starting to spiral, buddy. It really was, and there was no telling what was going on. Auburn was starting to get a little bit desperate, it felt like. So it, it didn't feel like they got there yet. So that's why uh, I'm excited about this hires because – it may not been, you know, their top list or the second list, but it he this is a guy that definitely they they considered. Mm-hmm. All right, Shane, let's jump on down to Gainesville, real quick, where we had some big news. NCAA has uh, come down on Dan Mullen and the Gators. Now, thankfully, it's uh, not a major penalty here or anything, but uh, Florida and Dan Mullen have admitted to this issue and it's just a level two violation and it comes from uh, having impermissible contact I believe with a junior prospect mm. which that is not allowed you're not allowed to have contact with a with anyone other than senior prospects in a in a high school setting essentially and I think there was one other minor thing but that's the key thing here and uh, because Dan Mullen himself was involved though, this is kind of the critical point. He has been given a show cause penalty for one year. And what that means is he is not allowed to leave the campus to go recruit for an entire year. Mm-hmm. Now, of course, right now you can't do any of that because of COVID. Mm-hmm. So NCAA is just, they're saying, you know, it's not like a Dan Mullen just gets a gets a freebie just because there's no recruiting. What they're saying is once we open this thing back up, hopefully in the you know in the in the days and weeks to come, whenever coaches are allowed to go back out, starting at that point, whenever that is, Dan Mullen has got one year where he's not allowed to go off and mm. recruit. Uh, now this is only the second time I can remember this ever happening. Jimbo, if you remember, had this same thing uh, during the summer. They they announced that for him and. Didn't kill the Aggies in recruiting, so I certainly don't think it's going to kill Florida in recruiting, but something to monitor because now they're on probation. And I don't believe 
No, they have no reduced scholarship, so that's another good thing. But basically what this – they basically got a slap on the wrist, Shane, but mm-hmm. if they break rules again, now you're looking at some big-time trouble. So at the end of the day, not a huge deal, but, man, it's always flashy when, you know, these things, they don't give us any warning, and yeah. they just come out and say, Florida – violated NCAA rules and I'm like whoa so (laughs) especially when you got the head coach involved you know usually like you said it's one of the assistants or something along those lines but you know that that it could impact I mean there's sometimes you know like you said Jimbo it didn't hurt him as much but you you never know there was a couple recruits they missed out on and if Jimbo would have been in that living room full fast talking Jimbo may have got him down there on campus so same mm-hmm. thing here with uh, Coach Mullen. You hate to hear that because the, you would think that this would be the summer for the Gators. Uh, this would be the year that they could start really reining in and, and working on that next year's class. And, and the fact that Dan can't go to these houses, that's that's a big deal, man. Yeah, I mean, you just hope that, uh, you know, you're coming down to signing day and you've got, you know, I'm just throwing names out there, but maybe it's Nick Saban, Kirby mm-hmm. Smart, and Jimbo all meeting with this five-star quarterback in the home. Mm-hmm. And the family's going to be say, well, where the hell is Dan Mullen? <laughs> you got to explain to him, well, yeah. we broke some rules. We're not allowed to hit the road. You know what I mean? So, oh, don't, uh, don't worry. Saban will tell him. I'm going to tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Again, that may not even be that a deal breaker, you know, but yeah. you, that's got to be in the back of your mind if, uh, if you're a Gator fan. You know what? Yeah, definitely. All right, now how about this new Shane? Let's jump on down to Columbia real quick where – Man, the two and eight Gamecocks, you know, they were getting mocked all over the internet for mm-hmm. playing in the Gasparilla Bowl. Mm-hmm. Never, I don't even think I've heard of that bowl till no. now, but uh, well, we made it, it, it. We'll just forget all about it that it existed, Shane, <laughs> because Gamecocks are not going to play in the game. Apparently, the uh, coaching staff hit hard by COVID. So, you know, I don't know if you got a conspiracy for this one, Shane, but it, but a day after Tennessee says they're not bowling, South Carolina's not bowling either. So, man, all of a, all of a sudden we're down to 10 SEC bowl games. 10's better than none, but <laughs> I was pretty fired up to see 12 out of the 20-something all SEC. So this is unfortunate. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to figure out what this Gasparilla is. It looks like it's some sort – is it a pirate festival or what is what is going on here? You know what it's this a, is? It's I have no, I, I don't even know what that word means, oh. to be honest with you. Okay, I looked it up. Uh, a Gasparillo Pirate Festival popped up, Tampa, Florida. So maybe <laughs> it has something to do. Is it? Wasn't it held in Tampa? Yeah, it, okay. it's uh, St. Petersburg, Florida. Yeah, right around Tampa. So, yeah. Okay, well. Yeah, it, it's, held, it's held in the Buccaneer Stadium. Well, it sucks that, you know, it's another SEC team that we now don't get to watch play. Um you know, I mean, I was really – I like bowl games. Don't get me wrong. You know, sometimes they're you, – you don't know what you're going to get. But a lot of these bowl games, you got to see some younger talent cut loose. Uh, and and now with South Carolina, even though, you know, you may not get your new head coach, it was an opportunity to maybe see some – you know, showcase some players that, that maybe we didn't get to see much during the season. Of course, you know, South Carolina fought them COVID numbers. I think we've seen everybody on their roster now. But – uh, yeah, it just it, it just uh, oh, it's a home mortgage. Okay, so they're selling houses, and yeah, that's what the that's what it says. It says home mortgage Gasparilla Bowl. So South Carolina, they done they done moved. <laughs> <laughs> hey, now here's something that I made the point. You know, I asked this on Twitter. 
got some feedback here, but I know the SEC didn't control this, so I'm not calling them out, but maybe just more the bowl system themselves. But I don't understand the point of we just had the season end mm-hmm. and we got to turn around and play bowl games the, the following week in South Carolina's case. And, you know, in Tennessee, that's why we lost their game because they had 10 days to prepare. Mm-hmm. You know, I know there's COVID going on and you can't enjoy it like you normally would, but, you know, a bowl game is supposed to be about the trip. It's supposed to be, you know, going down there and having a good time mm-hmm. and having some team bonding experiences and, you know, maybe getting like a little shopping spree or, or they get a gifts or, you know, they, they always get something. Yeah. And I'm sure they would I'm sure they would have given those those gifts away or whatever. But I just don't understand the point, you know, and then the big thing for the team, for the coaches is, uh, you know, you get your guys for another two to three weeks to to do almost like a mini camp. And how in the hell can you do that in six days, ten days? You can't. So no, I don't understand the point of rushing this thing, and especially after a ten-game SEC schedule. Like, look at Florida; just played eight games in a row in eight weeks. Why are we turning around and saying, "Okay, in ten more days, you're gonna play a game"? Like, right? These guys they deserve a break and they deserve some fun. And it's 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 about media, man. I mean, look about this year when we had to move these games around. That how many times did we not have a game at that three thirty spot? This is it's just sometimes like it's funny to me that some aspects of the, of our game is willing to bend and move and break, but there's some that just doesn't have a budge. They mm-hmm. they they chose to send Gary Danielson to San Diego to cover a game out there. That blows my mind. <laughs> I joke because I didn't have to listen to him, but still, you know, you're paying Gary a lot of money. You're paying CBS is paying a lot of money to have that 3:30 slot. It seems like they would have enough pull to move some of these games around. And like you said, uh, you know, you push this thing off, okay? What's what's really going on in January? So you you okay? So I know we're we're trying to get this college football playoffs and stuff. If you push this thing back an, an extra week, like you said, now you get everybody healthy. And you give the kids something else to watch because, trust me, after the championship games, after the playoffs, if you told me that South Carolina and uh, who are they playing, it doesn't even matter. They UAB. Be, Bill again. Clark, believe yeah, it or not. We, we could have we saw Bill Clark in action. <laughs> you know, that that I'm, I'm going to watch it. So I, I don't understand, like you said, this this time schedule thing. Uh, and now you're, you're having these SEC programs have to bow out and, uh, just because of, of just terrible. I mean, you saw this coming. When we pushed mm-hmm. the, it wasn't like, oh shit, we had all these games, you know, on the championship. You know, everybody saw this coming weeks ago, so they should have been adjusting the bowl bowl times accordingly. That they didn't. So mm-hmm. uh, this yeah, is this all- is. I think I think this is kind of what I was saying about Tennessee, where after the Vanderbilt win, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm not calling anyone out because I don't know this for a fact. I'm just this is complete speculation, but I would imagine protocols were broken, and you know they enjoyed themselves a little bit. And after the season they just went through, and I'm not just saying Tennessee, I'm saying the entire SEC, they deserve, you know, family time or, Mm -hmm. you know, just letting loose and give them two or three weeks to work that out. And I don't know. I think that's why you're seeing these bowl games disappear. And and again, it's not even the players at South Carolina. It it sounds like it's the coaching staff. So maybe even been a coach or two that needed a beer. So, you know (laughs) what I mean? So, and after the hard season they just went through, I think they deserve it. Speaking of beers, did you see that picture floating around, Sam? I got. Let me give. <laughs> let me give him credit because this, by far, my favorite one that I've seen here. I got to switch over here. 
for the listeners, there's a picture floating around, and you can find it on that SEC podcast uh, Twitter page. It's on down there, but uh, it was sent to us, and I'm going to try to find the uh, whole boy's name here. One second, Mike. I got it here. It's oh, okay. uh, yeah, here it is. R- yeah. Okay, Roman yeah. Joe. Yeah, Roman Joe. Um, it says, Mike and Shane, think you guys are pretty cool, but you'll never be Sam Pittman having a nice cold Coors while sitting on the bench cool. And this picture has got Coach <laughs> Pittman when he is all geared up there in his football garb, number 96, sitting on a bench. And right at his foot is a silver bullet and a cooler right below him. I mean, I've heard of drinking beer after a game, but I've never heard of drinking beer during a game, Mike. And that's what this looks like. Now, Coach <laughs> did come out. He said, cold, cold beer during the game, not highly recommended unless you choose. Uh, so in the stands, there is an explanation behind the picture. Didn't say it was a good explanation, but an explanation. <laughs> Turn that damn jukebox on. So, <laughs> uh, just goes to show that Coach Pittman has always been a cool cat to hang out with. <laughs> oh, without a doubt. Hey, well, uh, last thing on South Carolina, I want to uh, make this note, and it's tied to uh, the next team we're going to get to. So let's uh, jump on down to Rocky Top real quick. Because I believe this was first reported by John Whittle of uh, the Big Spur 247. I apologize if he wasn't the first one. He's the first one that, uh, that I saw that had it. But it sounds like Tennessee offensive line coach Will Friend jumping ship, Shane, to mm. South Carolina Gamecock Shane Beamer staff, and of course Will Friend worked with uh, Mike Bobo at Colorado State and at Georgia, so there's a connection there. This would suggest that Mike Bobo is returning to South Carolina. It's kind of hard to see if Will Friend does make that jump. That uh, you know Mike Bobo isn't going to be retained at South Carolina, mm-hmm. and this is uh, kind of equally bad. I think I know. I saw plenty of Tennessee fans kind of celebrating this move. Will Friend, not always a popular assistant coach there at the offensive line at Tennessee. I thought he did a pretty good job. Really good recruiter as well. But he was roommates with Jeremy Pruitt down at Alabama. So it's pretty damn bad when you got your damn roommate jumping ship. (laughs) Now, this could be a sign that – yeah, you know maybe Pruitt was going to fire him. I don't, I don't, I don't, I have no information on that. But uh, if Pruitt is thinking changes on his offensive staff, this is kind of a natural jump to say, you know, you let your friend know, hey, you're not coming back. Maybe I'll make that move, and and it's never on his record that he got fired. You know, so mm-hmm. there's two different ways to look at this, but I don't think it's a good look for Tennessee, no matter how you look at it, really. <laughs> well, unless you. What prove it out because I, I've also heard the conspiracy that if you know your friend is leaving, then maybe you know something. You know what I'm saying? It's like, hey, right. you know, I may not be coming back after Christmas, so let's let's help my boys out find them a spot real quick. Now, did Niedermeyer? I've heard rumor he's gone too. Is that true? Uh, that I don't know just yet. Uh, I oh, have okay. I have not heard that one. Get the moose mad at me here, but <laughs> I just I. I it's just I don't know the conspiracy side of me is just like oh, this is just more you know what I'm saying I'm just more ammunition <laughs> yeah. Mike I'm seeing the writing on the wall but again you may be right that may be like hey I've got to make some changes because one thing that the uh, Tennessee didn't have a lot of hype in the offseason the only place the only thing they did have hype for was that offensive line and at times it just felt like we weren't getting our money's worth. You know what I'm saying? A lot of that fell on, on Coach Friend's shoulders. So 
Yeah, I guess maybe if you're going to have a scapegoat, maybe it's his buddy here. Yeah, and if there, I'm not saying there's going to be a change at offensive coordinator, but if there is, I think you got to let that guy hire his own offensive line coach as well that, that works with him and works with his system. Mm-hmm. Um, otherwise, it's just, I don't think it's going to be that successful year one either. Exactly. Hey, only other thing on Tennessee real quick, Shane. Um, I don't even know if we've talked about this, but Jared Garantano, you know, a couple days ago left mm-hmm. the program or entered the transfer portal. Now JT Shroud has done the same. So all of a sudden, Tennessee's quarterback room is going to look a lot different next year. And I don't know, thoughts on that? I mean, is this uh, a clear sign that it's going to be Harrison Bailey moving forward? Or, or what's your takeaway? Well, you know, Brian, too. I, I, I haven't heard anything about Brian leaving, have you? No, not yet. So, I mean, I guess I guess it could be, a, you know, them two, and the, they just signed a touted guy in, uh, out of Texas, too, named Salter. So, yeah, well, you, I mean, you got those those guys on the well, on the list. And clearly, I think Salter's, you know, everybody everybody's thinking that he's going to be the guy. But I, I, I don't think that's, you know, it's definitely not the case next year. I, I think that's going to be Harrison, and, and I think that's huge. But you got to remember too, with Brian, Brian started several games last year and actually gave us an opportunity to to compete with teams like Alabama. You know what I'm saying? And got banged up, so he just wasn't himself this year. And he he was battling a lot of ailments, and and uh, he didn't get the spring games. Uh, and they said that set him back a little bit. You know, he was just one of those, just a late bloomer. Probably our most athletic quarterback on on the on the roster. So. I don't want to rule him out because uh, he, he showed flashes last season of, of being an elite, elite talent. So um, I think the quarterback room is going to be fine. You know what? we got two quarterbacks. We've got another one coming in. And I, I really hate – I hate to see anybody leave, especially JT, because, man, he showed, little, he showed little flashes this year, man. I mean, I thought this could be a – this could seri- be a serious quarterback uh, competition, I thought, in the offseason. But he's gone. Yeah. So – you know, let's give Harrison a chance. Let's give him all the reps. Let's give him, you know, I don't want to go into a season with quarterback controversy. I want to have a quarterback. So uh, apparently Pruitt had a real hard time pulling the trigger on one of them. And maybe if they all leave, he'll have to just start one of them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I thought uh, Trout, he probably had the best arm in Tennessee since Tyler Bray. You know what? But he, he's lacking that touch. Once he gets that developed, he I think he could be a hell of a quarterback wherever, wherever he goes next. Right. All right, Chad, let's jump over down to Baton Rouge real quick where, hey, we touched on it at the very end, tail end of last show, and it happened in real time there. But uh, LSU parts ways with uh, Bo Pelini, and apparently they're, you know, they've already bought him out and everything, so it's not going to be one of those deals where they owe him a bunch of money the next couple years. He's free to go get another job. I don't think it's going to affect his pay one way or another. Certainly saw that coming. But uh, other moves being made here, Shane, safeties coach Bill Bush also will not be retained. Uh, LSU fans will forever know Bill Bush as the guy that uh, got Joe Burrow to come to Baton Rouge. So he may have sucked coaching safeties this year, but uh, we still owe him one down there in Baton Rouge. That's right. He's pa- still, he'll always have a parking spot, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> Passing game coordinator Scott Linehan not returning. He, they got him from the NFL last year. Uh, Steve Ensminger is going to retire, the offensive coordinator. Mm-hmm. Defensive line coach Bill Johnson retiring. My goodness, Shane. So all of a sudden, LSU's got to replace 
about uh, six, seven coaches here, including both coordinators. So mm. watch out for uh, what Coach O does. I mean, you know, I think he's certainly calmed the waters a little bit down there in Baton Rouge, but um, I think it's kind of safe to say that uh, his, you know, I don't want to put him on the hot seat. We love Coach O here, but I don't think he can afford to hire you know, the next Bo Pelini, if, if you know what I mean. Like he's right. he's really got to nail these uh, next two hires. Basically, is what I'm saying. Mm-hmm. How long before they put Brad Johnson on this staff? I mean, as much camera time as he's been getting. <laughs> <laughs> Could you imagine every time old Max throws a pass, they're gonna be cutting over to his dad? Oh, over oh there? yeah, and then that, uh, they'll have it on real man. Could you? I just Gary getting his hands on some of that Tampa Bay tape, you know. Or Minnesota, it was so, it was so bad in that Ole Miss game. Like when when he'd do his quarterback sneak, they'd be like, "And you know who was elite <laughs> at sneaks was old Brad." I was like, "What in the hell are we talking about here? Like, who gives a shit? What about the offensive lineman's mom and dad?" You do know, you? Or, do, well, think about this, Mike. Do you know how many players on that team alone have parents that played in the NFL? Yeah, it's not, you know, Brad right. Johnson, quarterback, obviously, you know the name, but I, I guarantee there's 10, 15 of them. Their, their, their dads played in the NFL, but we didn't talk about them. So I'm sorry. <laughs> I, that's a whole different, it's a whole different show, Mike. So, uh, well, I'm not a fan of the parent cam. I'll tell you that. Yeah. You had, yeah, you had your shot, Brad. You had plenty of years on tape. You, we don't need that anymore. Let's, let's just focus on Max and his future. Now, the good news, I think, for LSU, Shane, we're going into the holidays. We already mentioned that. We've got recruiting, for the most part, wrapped up. Of course, we got the February signing date. But, you know, I think Coach O is going to take his time with this. I don't expect Mm -hmm. him, based on uh, what I just said, you know, how critical of a hire as these are. I don't think that uh, he's just going to, you know, turn around and hire two more guys that he knows. You know what I mean? And if this thing takes some time, look for him to reach into the – the NFL ranks for a defensive coordinator. I'm already here in the uh, Saints defensive line coach. We all know Coach O loves defensive line. That's kind of like his his baby, his bread and butter. And I don't think he's been very happy with uh, the defensive line the last couple years at LSU. So I think he's going to hire someone that really, um, you know, focuses in on that as well because he's got some uh, outstanding co- coaches like uh, Corey Raymond, the mm-hmm. uh, Defensive backs coach who may be the next defensive coordinator. I don't know, but already seeing players, you know, stub for Coach Raymond. So he may be one as well, but uh, we may be going into like one of those co coordinator roles. But mm-hmm. I just well, think, I think Coach O is going to take some time with this one. Yeah. And the last time Coach O dug in the New Orleans Saints staff, you know, it worked out pretty good. Yes, sir. <laughs> all right, last coach thing. Let's uh, jump all down to Oxford. Just real quick because uh, Ole Miss fired their defensive line coach, Deke Adams. Mm-hmm. He was obviously only uh, on staff one year because Kiffin's only been there one year, but uh, they hired him from the Mississippi State Joe Moorhead staff. And Ole Miss, you know, I don't want to put this all on uh, Coach Adams because I don't think he they inherited a ton of talent, but – Ole Miss was dead last in rushing defense. They were tied for 13th in sacks, so not good good at getting the quarterback either. So no surprise here, I don't think, for Ole Miss to make a change there. Look for uh, Lane Kiffin to try to upgrade on that defensive line position. Oh, yeah, definitely. I'm trying to remember, Deke. Uh, So 
uh, Moorhead hired him, right? Right, at Mississippi State a couple years ago. Was that the guy from Memphis? No. No, I can't remember. Um, okay, let me we'll just, just take that part I think part they out. got him from North Carolina. Okay. I remember they hired somebody around that that Memphis area. Um, but anyway, just, yeah, cut that part out. All right, last place to jump to, uh, Shane. Just wanted to make this uh, shine a light here on Felipe Frank. So let's uh, let's kick it over to Fayetteville real quick where... Woo pig! You know, we're, we're in a weird place in college football, Shane, where we got all these opt-outs. And, you know, that's each individual's business. And mm-hmm. But, hell, we're seeing opt-outs now in the middle of the season. And I, I certainly understand it maybe for the bowl games and... And when, especially when you add on Corona and it's not even so much that, uh, you know, we're not one of these, you know, we've been the most positive people I think out there when it comes to all this, uh, you know, player safety and everything like that. I'm not suggesting that, but I am suggesting that, you know, we got the holidays coming up. You're not being able to go home. A lot of these players, and now you got to suit up after a 10 game schedule and play another game. I mean, I'm, Basically, I guess what I'm saying is I understand a lot of players deciding to opt out. Not that I want them to do it, but I just thought uh, this clip from Felipe Franks was just the perfect reason for these guys to stick around, play it out, not just for themselves, but for their teammates and their coaches and the fan base and just everybody. So let's let's kick it over to uh, Felipe Franks for uh, this quick clip. I think just speaking for me, um, you know, I just, I, I, I feel like, you know, it's just my duty, not necessarily my duty, but for me, I, I want to stay and I want to finish the season out. I want to finish what I started. I came here to compete for a season and that's what I'm going to do. Um, and, uh, you know, at the end of the day, I feel like, man, I've, I've gone to work week in and week out, you know, with these guys uh, for, for 10 straight games and, you know, why stop on the 11th? So it, it, it's just something for me, um, you know, my my pride and just being able to go out there and I owe it to these guys. I owe it to Coach Pittman, all the guys that have been able to just welcome me into the program um, and just help me take care of my body when I first got here. Just being able to owe that to them and go out here and try to get a big time win. Um, it's just a great opportunity, man. It means a lot to me um, as a person, as a player, just being a part of this program. You know, it's bigger than me. And um, I think, you know, faster that you can realize that, that, you know, the picture is bigger than you, that the best, better things off will be. So, you know, it'll be a good opportunity. All right, Shane. So there it is from Felipe Franks. And uh, I don't know, what was your thoughts on what he had to say here? I'll say this about Felipe, man. Mike, personally, like if we met, I I wouldn't like him because he has hurt Tennessee three times now, (laughs) you know, and don't get me wrong. But when I see Felipe Franks, I, I think of losing. So I, I don't I don't admire him. But then you hear stuff like this, and you realize real quick why he's a captain, why he's a team leader, why Arkansas played the way they played this year, because that's the mentality that they have, and it all starts from the top, from coach to your quarterback to the rest of the players and. Um, I admire it, man. I admire him. Everything this kid has been through, you got to remember, he get he gets hurt in a game, loses a starting position, loses, ends up leaving the university, goes to another home, uh, a land of misfits, and takes those guys to new levels, levels they you know they haven't been at in a long time. So I admire 
what Felipe stands for and and what he's been able to do with this university. And this is just this is just icing on the cake, man. This this just shows you that football means more to him than it does a lot of people, a lot of these players, you know. So kudos mm-hmm. to Arkansas. And if you got any money, you better put it on the Razorback, Razorbacks because there's a lot of people that go to these bowl games and they don't give a shit. Clearly, that's not happening there in Arkansas. This is a bowl game that th- that this program hasn't been in in a long time. So you better damn believe that, that Sam and the boys are going to be taking this one serious. Yeah, and uh, don't forget, Felipe Franks was kind of banged up the last, you know, bit of the season here. He he was kind of rotating in and out with Alabama their last game. Missouri, he didn't even play. So this is easily, easily could have been a, another opt-out. And, you know, maybe even his, you would understand. You'd say, well, you know, he's got a future. Remember, he was drafted by mm-hmm. the, I think, the Boston Red Sox. And yeah. he's going to get drafted in the NFL, I would assume. So, I mean, he's got you know, things on the line, but it's more important to him to finish what he started. Mm-hmm. Hell, you heard it from himself. His, his teammates, his coaches all there. But, uh, yeah, so I really just respect him. And, and again, this is a guy that uh, early in his career, I didn't think he was that good. I didn't think he was going to be that good with Arkansas. I thought he would lose the starting job by the end of the season, and he's proved me wrong. He's been a hell of a quarterback for, for Arkansas. Sure. And, and he's going to have a good – good uh tradition there or, or, or mark left on that program that's it man they they created a really strong foundation for for years to come so you know felipe may not be an arkansas quarterback you talk about 10 years from now but what he's done to this pro this program has has paved the way for some of the talent that we're about to see all right shane so that's all i got on this episode you got anything uh, before we head out well, yeah, just wanted to, I mean, this is the last one we're doing, right, for the week? Yes, sir. Well, uh, you know, it's a holiday, so everybody, Merry Christmas out there, Happy Holidays, and, and we'll be back before New Year's, otherwise I'd say that one too. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, man. So, uh, Merry Christmas to everybody. Uh, I, I I loved it. You know, we had a good run this year, and, and I'm sure we're going to get back on before the season's up, or for the uh, year's up. Um and who knows, man, if we get some breaking news, Mike, call me up. We'll do a little quick 15, 20 minute segment talking about, you know, coach getting fired or, you know, whatever happened. So uh, we ain't going to keep you out of the loop. Just whenever we get some news, we'll, we'll bring it to you. But until then, I, I hope you guys enjoy your time with your family and friends and, and uh, just, just have a good Christmas. Uh, Mike, real quick before I get off here, uh, what's your favorite Christmas movie? Hmm. You know, I used to say Die Hard just to be cool. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and that is a Christmas movie, in my opinion. But uh, Elf has overtaken it. Will Ferrell. Oh, I, I love that one. Okay. All right. Just if you could guess, what do you think my favorite Christmas movie is? Something with John Candy in it? Or, or how about uh, Christmas Vacation? Oh, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. Absolutely. I watch it every year. It was my dad's favorite. It's my favorite. It's uncle, uh, cousin Joe's favorite. We, we, I mean, that, that is, we, we can, we can almost recite the words now. So easily my favorite Christmas movie. And, uh, I hope, I hope you guys all have a wonderful holiday or Christmas and, uh, we'll see you soon. Absolutely. And hey, Shay, on the, on the way out, yep. uh, instead of the uh, traditional, you know, outro music we got, I just wanted to make this note. Kevin Green, Auburn legend, former walk-on, now is in the NFL Pro Football Hall of Fame. 
He passed away oh, shit. Um, at the age of 58 here on Monday. He was a 1984 SEC Defensive Player of the Year, 1990 NFL All-Decade Team. Just uh, just an outstanding player. So I wanted to go out with a, with a little tribute to him. Damn, I had no idea, man. I had his jersey. I'm, st- you know me. I'm a Steeler fan, and then, uh, then he, yeah, he, he did a little bit of wrestling and everything. He was just, he was a wild, fun man, and uh, loved. I loved seeing him in action up there in Pittsburgh. So, uh, golly, I hate to hear that. Was that the COVID? Uh, I don't. They have not announced the reason why. So, I don't know. But, yeah, uh, it don't matter. Uh, I, I rest in peace, brother. Uh, I know it's a, that's a huge, huge hit on that Auburn community. Absolutely. It was a blessing. It was a blessing playing for... Pat Dye and his staff down at Auburn, and what I learned during those days, those hot, tough days down on the plains would literally last me an eternity in the NFL. I love Auburn, I am Auburn, and more damn eagle to all my brothers and sisters out there. I love you all.